And now, rate that album, season three, with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming, two guys who know stuff. Hi, and welcome back to Rate That Album, back and forth album review between myself, Joseph Fremming, and my good friend, Paul Muadib. Paul, if you're going to scream, scream with me. Moments like these never last. Dude, I just want to listen to the theme for a jackal. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we are. uh, It's Halloween month. You know, it's October, so we got to do some horror-themed albums or Halloween-themed albums. And I decided <clears throat> to revisit one of my picks, the artist from one of my picks last year, Dan Marison. If you don't know, listen to the Danzig 3 review, because frankly, I have too much to cover for me to recount the the terrifying tragedy of Dan Marison. Dan Marison. <laughs> Uh, so I decided just because they're relatively short and it's two different lineups and just kind of go over like the, the lore and all that of, of one of my, fa- actually my favorite punk band, the misfits. Paul, before we get into this, uh, why don't you give us your first thoughts on, uh, the misfits in general. And <laughs> <laughs> so, um, I learned, <laughs> I guess I'll get into my bit now. <laughs> I learned about the Misfits through WCW, sir. Um, you have to understand that I really got into punk shortly around, like, right when, right when we were graduating. I really got into the Misfits because there was this guy, Zach, that I hung out with who got me into bands like the, the Vandals and things like that. And I worked with him. Um, for a brief period of time, he was friends with the same group I was. So I was heavy into WCW um, wrestling at the time. Um, and that's when I first came about the, the, mis- the Misfits. <laughs> now, we're going to talk about that iteration of the Misfits. But as far as this is concerned, I knew of Danzig's solo work. I don't, I'm going to assume people, most people our age maybe did. Um, knew about Danzig through Danzig One to, uh, um, and it wasn't until later that I made the distinction of, holy shit, this is a guy who was in the Misfits. It's kind of the same thing for me with Henry Rollins. <laughs> I didn't realize that Henry Rollins, uh, you know, fronted a punk band. I knew Henry Rollins because of Beavis and Butthead. Um, the liar video. The liar video. That's when I first got introduced to Henry Rollins. Yeah, I'm a liar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, but when I got into punk, the Misfits became a staple um, <laughs> when I was about nineteen, twenty, and ever since then on my punk playlist. They're one of the Dan's Dan Marison. Let me, let me let me clear <laughs> Dan Marison misfits versus uh, only misfits. So and we'll get yeah that we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. So uh, you know, I think I talked about my. I found out later too. Like I was into Danzig and stuff, and that, and all of a sudden, uh, my buddy Joe and I found out like 
oh shit, Danzig was in a punk band, The Misfits, and he bought uh, Legacy of Brutality and was like, wait a second, this is that song that Metallica does, you know, Last Caress. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of, uh, and then we also, like, around that same time, we also, he found at a used record store uh, the first Sam Hain album, which is, like, even harder to find because that shit's been long out of print mm-hmm. at that point, and then they only kind of printed it a few more times after. So, yeah, that's kind of, like, how I found out Danzig was in another another band before Danzig, actually two bands. And so this week I wanted to go over the, uh, the dance classic Danzig era. And I also, because, uh, they reformed with a different singer, Michael Graves. I thought we would talk about that one too, because I think, uh, I picked famous monsters because I think it gets a bad rap. For really no reason. <laughs> and we'll get into it. And uh, But say basically the Misfits start in the late 70s. Glenn Danzig, Jerry Only, and a bunch of other people. Yeah. The Misfits have a revolving members that are, it's just like, it has its own wiki, pretty much. Uh, oh. Drummers, guitarists, the only keep, the only classic guitarist they, people will know is Doyle which is uh, Jerry Only's brother. Yep. So the Misfits do, they're more inclined to horror-themed uh, B-movie schlock uh, lyrics, heavy on the woes, uh, very 1950s, rumble-ish, uh, you know, greaser kind of imagery. Uh, they, they basically do-it-yourself kind of shit until... Early 80s, Danzig gets kind of fed up with Jerry Only and Doyle, uh, breaks him up after infamously on on stage, like this is the last (laughs) Misfit show, goes on to create Sam Hain. Sam Hain gets signed by uh, Rick Rubin. Uh, Then they renamed as Danzig, and the story of that is, you know, we all know Danzig. Uh, After the Misfits, Jerry Only and his brother Doyle go to work with their fam, that's uh, auto parts factory, I believe, in which after a while they become born again Christians. I've and they come up with a metal, a Christian metal band called Christ the Conqueror, each spelled with K's. Oh, Christ Almighty! Yes, uh, that doesn't really go anywhere, as you can imagine. Uh, <laughs> well, it so that doesn't inspired our, our our buddy Pat Boone. <laughs> so. <laughs> The timelines here now, uh, they, there's a bunch of, uh, you know, interest in the Misfits kind of happen after all this. After, you know, a lot of metal bands and stuff. Like, the t- everybody pretty much knew the t-shirt of the Crimson Ghost. Yep. Their logo is the Crimson Ghost, an old serial. I actually own the VHS and have it somewhere. It's an old, like, uh, 30s, 40s serial with those kind of monster wears the infamous which you see as the logo and uh, all these bands are kind of wearing these misfit shirts even and i kid you not paul uh def leopard <laughs> uh, so they're kind of like the image it's like the black flag bars i think more people know about the black flag uh 
logo than they actually know about the band. And I think the Misfits, for the longest time, was like that as well. Uh, Metallica was huge into Misfits. They would always wear Misfits shirts, uh, Sam Hain t-shirts as well. Uh, They they, they covered Die, 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 My Darling. Yeah, and uh, Last Caress and Green Hell on the uh, the 598 EP, which is basically the Garage Day stuff. Um, Yeah, so like... The Misfits were kind of like one of two bands that had crossover with punk and metal. Uh, on the other side, I would say would be Motorhead, who had the same kind of... So those two kind of bands kind of had their feet in both uh, camps. Yeah. Uh, but the Misfits never really got the recognition until long after they had break, broken up. And so once they kind of get more popular, uh, you know, Danzig, he owns, the, he owns all the back the backlog of everything. And so, you know, he started kind of just doing official releases because there was so much, there's starting to be demand for it. And he figured why the fuck not. And that, so let's go back, go into the early nineties. Now where Danzig kind of blows up with a song called mother, which uh, you and Scott talked about on the PMRC, yep. I believe Yep. Uh, the songs about the PMRC, uh, the tipper sticker and all that. Yep. Uh, once his star's rising, Jerry Olney and Doyle decide, hey, maybe we should reform the Misfits, to which Glenn Danzig has no fucking interest working with those guys again. No, none, none, none. And so, hence, we get this legal battle. Jerry only thinks they are entitled to songwriting credits. Danzig's like, nope, I wrote all those songs myself. I wrote all the music for it. Uh, and since his name's on the... Uh, you know, songwriting credits. Uh, obviously, he's going to get that. Uh, so basically, after a bunch of lawsuits, uh, what happens is uh, Jerry Only and Doyle can go on touring as the Misfits. Allegedly, they have to say who's in the band because Danzig didn't want people to buy tickets and thinking he's in the band. Right. Uh, they never really did that. But Danzig gets the control of the entire back catalog, you know, of the stuff people know. So uh, that's kind of where that all lands with that. Uh, They've been in lawsuits probably nonstop since the late 80s, Paul. (laughs) And to the point now, they're on their reunion tour kind of thing. The original Misfits, which came out uh, from a lawsuit between (laughs) Jerry Only and Glenn Danzig. I thought so. I yes. thought so. Yeah. Yes. So the Misfits then, because we know what happened to Dan Marison at that infamous concert in Las Vegas <laughs> in the future. Mm-hmm. The Misfits then decide to re- reform and tour and record albums. And they hire one Michael Graves. Uh, this is a he's a controversial figure. And so I'm going to tread a little lightly here. I'm going to say, from what I watched of interviews with him, he was treated horribly by uh, Jerry Only. To the point on in 2000, him and their drummer, Dr. Chud, just walked off stage saying, "We're f- I fucking quit. Interviews I've watched with Michael Graves, which I don't recommend to watch any YouTube <laughs> interviews with Michael Graves, because he... Uh, I'll get to it after I do this, but it... From what I understood, he was getting kind of screwed on money. Uh, Jerry only would kept saying, like, well, if you don't 
like it, we'll just replace you. We'll just replace you. If you want more money, we can. You're easily replaced. You, if you listen to Famous Monsters, they lucked out with another very thematic vocalist. After Graves leaves, Jerry only becomes the vocalist, and let me tell you, Paul, it's fucking terrible. He is not a singer. Uh, he is nowhere near the league of Michael Graves, and he's nowhere in the ballpark of Glenn Danzig. Now, Michael Graves now, <laughs> he, he is one of those weird right-wing guys. Like, yeah, he's a, yeah, he's a conservative he's, punk. Yeah, he's a very, uh, he's a very controversial figure. Mm-hmm. He, he got, got back the Proud Boys. Back the Proud Boys. Uh, you know, he believes that there's Christian genocide. And that was where I, like I said, I made the mistake of watching interviews. Cause I watched like him talk about his time in the misfits, which was yeah. interesting. And then it veers <laughs> and I'm like, Oh no. Oh yeah. no. Oh God. No, <laughs> you know, I didn't really know a lot about Michael Graves until he was on the daily show with John Stewart Yeah, at one point. And that's when I got introduced and I, ever since that time, I've kind of kept an eye on him because I'm like, this guy's bad shit. Yeah, he's <laughs> yeah, he's nuts. He's nuts. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, uh, but you know, yeah, he started conservative punk during the Bush years when uh, Fat Mike and all these people did uh, what was uh, the punk votes or whatever. Uh, and frankly, it just uh, it's just I thought both were really stupid, honestly. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, I always said, you know, I mean. There's always been kind of this, let me get it out of the way, because I want to, you know, from my point of view, again, you and I kind of, you know, punk was, blew up when we were born and went through a resurgence in our, in in our late teens. Um, The the thing is, is that a lot of people, you have two sides where punk is like, punk was always about being against the establishment, about, you know, going against, you know, standing up for the little man, you know, standing up in the downtrodden, that type of thing. And then you have this other side of punk, and I don't want to say, and I don't want to give these people credence, but there are famous people that would sit there and go, well, punk was liberal because it was Reagan in the 80s, and in the 90s, it was Clinton, so it was you know, we, it was conservative punk. No, fuck you. No, 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 no. Nazi punk, fuck off, right? Yeah. I mean, and I and I can't, you know, I've had people about this and people, you know, like there's punk bands that kind of come out and I see these things, you know, I wish they would just shut up about their politics and just play. Did you not listen to the fucking lyrics? Because <laughs> 95% of your punk bands that ever got anywhere famous and were worth a damn and who gave way to, you know, to the movement, that's what they were about, and they've never veered from that. We've had punks like Graves have veered, and other punks who have veered, and it's like, those are the ones, you know, I, I, I mean, I, I yeah. go back to our podcast, I, I knew that punk that would wear a Confederate flag, and we, all of us, were like, all of us punks, again, I was sporting a, a 13-inch green mohawk at the time, and an anarcho jacket, and we're all going what the fuck is this guy's deal? Like, why is he even around us? Like, we don't want him around. Like, he doesn't understand what punk is. And I always, you know, I always go back to that where I'm like, when I hear people bitch about the left-wing politics of punk, I go, then you never got it to begin with. Well, and uh, so I'm going to kind of break that. Punk was not born out of a liberal 
vacuum in <laughs> Reagan's America. It was born out of uh, bands that couldn't really uh, get the recognition of, say, your Fleetwood Max and shit. Uh, Joey Ramone would say the Ramones weren't punk. They were trying to be the base Eddie Rollers. Yes. There's a lot of, like, I mean, yeah, punk was co-opted a lot by a lot of like liberal bands uh and i'll be honest a lot of that uh stuff doesn't connect with me that much anymore because i was barely alive in reagan's america mm-hmm. uh which is you know dead kennedy's i mean i still like a lot of their stuff but i really it doesn't really do much for me the clash i still love even though I really, as I get older, I have no connection to Margaret Thatcher's UK. Right. I mean, I just, I think a lot of times if your politics is just straight, like very specific politics, it ages like milk. It's just going to spoil. It just, it's just how it is because it's a a very time and place. That's why when it comes to punk now, I gravitate like Misfits, uh, Ramones, The Replacements, Husker Du, who are like more just kind of just, doing their own thing and and we have to understand that punk and, and i'm gonna yes you're right and punk you know again we we talked about it with lou reed lou reed's considered the godfather of punk um people have said that lindsey puckingham is punk um so yeah i mean punk has a wide connotation yeah but when we talk about what i think is the core 80s punk of yeah. you know what they're talking about that's more so what i'm kind of yeah know what i mean because I mean, yeah it was a lot of it was political it was uh bucking the conservatism of reagan's america a yes. lot of bands were doing that too i mean springsteen was doing that too it wasn't just it wasn't just it wasn't just a punk bubble no no but i think that's for why for me the misfits are my favorite punk band is because they're not in that kind of bubble where I, I can listen to them and not have to like, oh God, I have to look up Ed Meese now, you know? <laughs> right, right. And and I will laugh because, and, and I will give credence to, you know, I will, if I'm anything but fair, right? Like I will rip on, and you and I have talked about this, I will rip on any side of the <laughs> party. I will call you out if you're wrong. But you got yeah. bands like Pennywise in the 80s who were like, drop out of school, quit your job, listen to Pennywise, we'll take care of you. And then they did like a reunion, like in the mid, like in the, in the, in the, <laughs> in the aughts and the 2010s. And we're coming out and doing, hey, quit your job. Don't listen to your band. <laughs> listen to Pennywise. We'll take care of you. And it's like, come on, guys. Like, grow up a little bit. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. And so, yeah. So, you know, Graves falls on the, con- so there are spectrums of punk and there are, there are conservative there's not really a lot of conservative conservative punk bands that do political stuff, thank God, because that would just be fucking terrible. Uh, if you look at the politics of Glenn Danzig, he is very much not a liberal. So. No, no, no. no <laughs> so, not. like, when people are like, well, D- um, Graves is a part of the Proud Boys, like, yeah, and uh, Danzig was very vocal about how much he hated Barack Obama. So, like, yeah. Where's where was your outrage about where that? Outrage Very selective that. with that shit. Completely agree. But again, uh, Graves' politics aside, I still feel bad that he was treated like that. I don't, you know, like on a human level, people shouldn't be shat on like that. That just that rubs me the wrong way. And it seems like with the Misfits, 
the general asshole in the room has always been Jerry only. So we'll get into that. We'll get into we'll that. Get in that. I, have, so, I got some stuff when we get to when we, when we get to the, yeah when we get there. Okay, well, so with so we're gonna start, Paul, because I just want to get. I want to save the best for last. We're gonna do the dancing one last. Okay. Well, because then. Uh, that's just that. Uh, we'll get into it because both of these albums. Ironically, we're both released in the 90s. We were reviewing Famous Monsters and The Static Age. So, oh, Paul, let's get into Famous Monsters. Okay. What was your initial thoughts hearing this? So, this is the so this is the Misfits I knew about before Danzig's Misfits. So you have to understand, again, I'm going to get a little bit into it because I, I want to tell a little bit about the craziness of how I knew about uh, the Misfits. So uh, we talked a little bit about it last week. ICP uh, was, <laughs> was in wrestling as well. They were in the WCW, and they left to start their insane clown wrestling. And WCW wanted to have their – they were in a bad time. Like, it, 1999 was a horrible time for wcw like this is when they started to lose the money they had a big run like they were winning they were beating vince mcmahon at his own game and then it all came crashing down for various reasons can i can i ask something about this would it be honestly said that wcw helped usher in the attitude era so okay i'm glad you asked me this question yes so what was happening real quick was in 1994, 1995, WCW was bleeding talent. Um, wrestling had done really well uh, from the Rock and Wrestling Connection, um, which was MTV's partnership with W with the WWF at the time. And people of our generation and maybe a little bit younger don't remember this, but Cindy Lauper was involved, and uh, oh, that was. I mean, she was in the. Weren't, weren't all those wrestlers in the Goonies video? We're, we're, we're in the Goonies video. Captain Lou Albano was not only in, in the Goonies video, but he was in Girls Just Want to Have Fun. Captain and, Lou Albano is the only Mario I will yes, ever recognize. Paul. He's the only Mario. He was. He was. He was Mario. Mario. Yeah. So in the in the Super Mario Brothers Super Show when we were kids. That show was so great. So good. I always you know what? I watched it on Netflix like five years ago, six no, I was still Yeah, I was like eight years ago. Still held up for me. Yeah. No, it's again and I loved it because every Friday they'd have the Zelda cartoon. And that's what I was into, although they made Zelda, I mean Lake a fucking prick. But point is is that yeah, so in 1994, 1995 Wrestling was really hurting, and WWF was bleeding talent. Um, they were Vince McMahon was convinced he was going to go out of business, um, so um, Hulk Hogan jumped ship because WWF couldn't afford him anymore. And it was that before or after the law, <laughs> the steroid case too. That was after. That was after the, I mean, well, that was so that was around the time. Like I think the steroid trial was 1991, 1992. Um, around that time and you know Hogan got on everyone looked bad from that deal but you know Vince won because you know it's Vince and so then WCW does you know they get Holland uh, Kevin Nash and Scott Hall Razor Ramon um, Razor Ramon and Diesel and um, they get 
Macho Man Randy Savage with his Luke, and he brought his um, Slim Jim uh, ad, ad money with him. And that really, really pissed off Vince McMahon because that was a giant cut for him. Um, and all these wrestlers started kind of bleeding out, and they were not prepared for this. So WWF was going through a terrible time, and WCW brought out the NWO. They realized that the internet was picking up, and they were smarter. They were ahead of Vince on this. That the internet was picking up, that it was fake, you know, this and that. So they're like, what can we do to make it real? And they started to bring out real personalities. Like Hulk Hogan was known for being a fucking asshole for many years among fans in the know. So now you make him a bad guy, and now you have them going after things and talking about each other's lives and family members like personal demons and it brought back like this whole rejuvenation of is wrestling real is it fake now and wwf realized they needed to get on they had to compete with this level and the only way they could feel to do it was to be edgier than the wcw so rather than being real they went for the tna like they went forward, that's when the divas started to happen, and the panty matches, and the swearing on TV, and more blood, and that brought about, like, the Steve Austin, you know, the Steve Austins, and those type of people who were abrasive in the back room, and were able to come out, and then they had, like, this, this magical time of The Undertaker, Cactus Jack, you know, um, uh, Dude Love, you know, what, what's his name, Mick Foley, and um, the Rock and Steve Austin, which were just explosive personalities, and then everything kind of fell around those four. Um, so yeah, that's what happened there. So yes, absolutely, WCW was the reason why WW uh, the WWF went to a harder what they called the PG thirteen or Attitude Era. Yep. 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 So in all this, WCW is now losing to. WWF. So they're looking to the past of what can we do to make people interested again. And they went to the rock and roll, rock and wrestling connections. We need music. We need bands. They brought in ICP, and ICP didn't like the way they were treated at WCW and said, fuck it, we're going to make our own wrestling. We're going to make Juggalo Wrestling. So, (laughs) (laughs) Juggalo Wrestling, by the way, is very entertaining. It is very entertaining. If you haven't seen it, it's fantastic. So, on one November 1st of 1999, Monday Night Nitro was being held at the Target Center in one Minneapolis, Minnesota. Across the street, a little-known band called the Misfits were performing across the street. (laughs) And a wrestler by the name of Vampiro knew them and had met them in Mexico City a couple years back. And went over and reintroduced himself and said, Hey, why don't you guys come see what we're doing live at the wrestling? And... Cherry only, and and, and you know, every member of the band at that point was like, "Hey, we got nothing going for us. Nobody knows us. We've had all these lawsuits and shit." So um, here we go. We to, we're down for anything. So they come into a ring that says "Bring Back," "Bring Back Ice," like signs and things like this, and they, in a matter of like an hour. Down the table, they would have Jerry and Doyle intervene in a wrestling match with Vampiro. 
Now, they are in WCW to the point where Doyle is doing vampires makeup for money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> money. Um, they're being, he and, he and Jerry are being kind of booked as bodyguards. Um, yeah, because they're not actual wrestlers. They're just <laughs> Jerry only went nuts with this. He bought a wrestling ring for his house. <laughs> Literally was like, I'm going to be a wrestler. Like, this is going to be part of our band. Like, we're going to, this is going to put us to new heights. Like, this is going to, he really thought that he told Vampiro he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Jerry Doyle, ladies and gentlemen, or Jerry, Jerry only. Yeah, so, I mean, I could see them being wrestlers and be, I mean, they got the theatrics and all, but it's just, well, <laughs> just uh, given all their, how fucked up they are as a band, I don't see Envision Jerry lasting right. long. So, so, so here's the thing. Um, Jerry was the only one that wanted to get into the ring. Like, none of the other members were <laughs> fine being attached and doing music. Like there's like a lot of times like in the W the WCW shows at that time, basically the Misfits were a traveling band with yeah. them for their for their live. I mean for their for their it's easy promotion for their because this album came out in '99, so yep. came out I think in October of '99, and yeah, so this is like yeah, you know, easy promotion for them. So so, Braves, <laughs> Chud, and Doyle are like we do not want to be in the ring. Like, we don't want, we want nothing to do with this. They're not fucking wrestlers. Yeah, and Jerry only is like, I'm I'm in. So he had a match with a guy by the name of Buff Bagwell um, for his first match, and, you know, went well. Well, apparently in the back area, because Jerry only in this short period of time had convinced himself that he was going to be the next Hulk Hogan, was causing problems like pissing people off in the back room, <laughs> backstage. And there was a wrestler who was legitimate badass by the name of Dr. Death. And um, there, was a, there was a wrestling event called the Brawl for All, which was this thing that, that um, WWF had done in 1998, where they thought it'd be a money draw of actual wrestlers who actually fight in ring. And in the back room, like, the, like all the ups had this guy, like, Dr. Jones is going to win this. He didn't. And he ended up actually getting injured from this real fight and then fucking up his hamstring and being released from the WWF. So the WCW picks this guy up. He's a legitimate badass, and they're going to put him in a cage match with fucking Jerry only who's been pissing everyone off in the back room. So, like, this Dr. Death literally threw him during this match in this cage across the ring into the door of the cage, busted him open what's called the hard way, meaning for real, completely blood's pouring everywhere in this match. Fucking... They get him out of the ring, give him the win, and Jerry only's got a 14-inch fucking uh, stitch on his head from this fucking wrestling match. Meanwhile, Jerry Doyle, I mean Doyle, is causing problems because he's pissing off one macho man Randy Savage by stealing his girlfriend. <laughs> <laughs> George is George. 
So, well, as long as he's not stealing his towels. <laughs> don't, don't you steal my towels. <laughs> my towel. Yeah, don't, no, steal my, so, don't touch my fucking towel. <laughs> so uh, apparently Macho Man, uh, you know, he and the Miss Elizabeth had broken up. And he was dating this girl by the name of Stephanie um, Bellers, who caught the eye of Jerry Doyle. And she liked him back. And they, she left Savage and Doyle ended up getting married and they were performing in, uh, they performed together under Doyle's band, The Gorgeous Frankenstein. Well, this also caused problems because now Manny Savage is stalking Doyle at Misfits concerts. (laughs) This is real shit that happened, dude. This is like all real shit. Yeah, he was like, he was, because Macho Man was notoriously, we talked about that in, in other thing, uh, other podcasts where Macho Man was really jealous, was a really jealous man. And so that freaked out the guys. And like, so now the rest of the band wants out. And Jerry Only is all in. And Jerry Only makes the biggest mistake he can by pulling a, um, Jesse Ventura by trying to convince WCW wrestlers to unionize. (laughs) Which gets him in deep shit. Jerry loses his mind during this period. Now we're in the the, uh, early 2000s. And early 2000s, Doyle, Chud, and Michael Graves are already all out of the band. Well, and this is the thing, was what had happened was Jerry lost his mind. So yeah, and the fame, and again, it's funny that they broke up on stage with Danzig with Dan Mayer. They broke up on stage with Graves as well. Yeah, they broke up on stage in October of two thousand. But what had happened was, only uh, had his lawyers served WCW a cease and desist oil, um, um, order once, like the band was out and there. You know, again with Macho Man and everything. They're like we just and with the. Uh, Kind of what was going on backstage. Even Jerry was like, Dude, "We got it. We got to get out of here." So lawyers are involved because Jerry only loves lawyers. We know that. Um, so he is now slapping WCW with a lawsuit to get rid of their logo, to get rid of their music. They can't do anything because he had been convinced himself that the WCW wanted to take the band's merchandising. Um, just like Danzig, and they thought he was going to get fucked over like Dan Marison, and then <laughs> accused the higher-ups of trying to steal the other members of the band and turn them against him, and then he believed, he convinced himself that Graves, Doyle, and Chud were going to replace him with Vampiro. <laughs> um, <laughs> so by October of 2000, because of the because of the, all the things that happened in WCW, this led to why this iteration of the Misfits yeah. broke up. Yeah, uh, so like Graves, uh, Graves, <laughs> he doesn't get into that. I'm sure because of the legal ramifications. There's a with, lot of legal shit there. But uh, basically, what he's he was saying is, you know, like a lot. Of, he's, he, I believe he kind of paraphrased him, all that crap, which is imagining when he said that was <laughs> this part. But he was like, yeah, so like Jerry only would be like, yeah, we can replace you with anybody, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, just like, treating him like shit. And then they actually replaced him with a different singer. 
And then they asked him why he wasn't at the, the video shoot for Scream. <laughs> so he had to uh, drive to Canada because, uh, and he was a day late. George Romero directed the video, but yeah, it's, this is a band with a constant history of what the fuck, Paul. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know the WCW thing. It just makes me wish it, it could have been like the simpler times when they were arrested for grave robbing in, in the eighties in New Orleans. It, this like, like <laughs> I, I once Dan like like it or not, Dan Marison knows how to command a band. Yeah, and, well to a to a fault, but like you know he's yeah. But I mean, obviously only. I mean, when I learned about all that stuff, and I heard that all that in a podcast, so I knew this stuff well before. Can you send me that podcast? Because I would love to hear. That. Yeah. yeah, I'll send it to you. Um, I'll send it to you in the morning. Absolutely, it sounds good. Sounds good. Yeah, yeah, it's some crazy shit. Yeah. So, um, it's. I think, really, the dysfunction of. The misfits and why they never really worked out was because if only was crazy enough to convince himself that a wrestling promotion was trying to steal his band, replace him with a wrestler. I can't imagine what it was like to be on tour with that guy every day. Yeah, it seemed it seemed like it was rough. Uh, and it seems like I mean, here's the thing: like Doyle left the band shortly after that. He didn't come back until the this new. Original Misfits reunion with Danzig. Doyle is Jerry Only's brother. <laughs> yeah, no, well, part of it was he was afraid of Macho Man. I mean, That's a, you know, I I think it's more than Macho Man why he leaves Misfits. It, it's more than Macho Man, but that terrified him when he found out that Macho Man was was stalking him at, at concerts. Yeah, it terrified him. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, let's uh, dial it back to 99, Paul, when they, uh, they do release uh, Famous Monsters. Monsters. Yeah. So what are, your, what are your thoughts on this album, Paul? It's, it's, sure. Because it's, in for me, like I said before, I feel like it gets a bad rap because it's not Danzig. So there's a couple of things with it, okay? Production-wise, it's... I'm, we're going to get into it, but production-wise, it's a lot cleaner. Yeah. And then Static Age, but that's because of when Static Age was recorded. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, Danzig solo albums are also a lot cleaner, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, that's true. Um, but I struggle with this because I can see where... It's been a long time. I mean, I've listened to this album before, and then... We brought it up. I was like, because this was like the album again when it was WCW and everything. Mm -hmm. This was the album. This, so this was the album I was listening to at that time of the Misfits. The problem is Graves' voice does not match the content like Danzig's voice matches the, the lyrical content. And I think that's where I think that's where fans struggle with it. I don't think it's just because it's not Dan Marison. If the the subject matter of what they're singing about doesn't for me the, the vocals and the tone and the way he's singing it doesn't match the the, 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 the monster and the horror theme that 
Adam Barrison did, and maybe some other bands that we'll talk about mm-hmm. um, So I think that's that's where I struggle. Like it's perfectly serviceable as a standard punk middle of the road flare band. Like it's serviceable. But when you put these things like about aliens and monsters and horror, and you got kind of that pop punk voice of graves, it doesn't meld. It's like what we talked about with um, uh, Ice Nine Kids. I see it suffering from the same issue. What about you, Joe? I actually thought his voice works for this album. His voice doesn't work with the Danzig stuff because I watched. Videos him singing the Danzig era songs and it, that doesn't. I feel like they did adapt kind of their sound so it matches, especially like something like Saturday Night, right? I couldn't see Danzig singing that song. No, it's a little, it's a little lighter fare. Yeah, it's lighter fare. So I think, uh, I think a lot of it does work, and I think it gets a bad rap because there's a lot of earworms on this when I went back and re-listened to it. Because again, I have the biases too because I prefer the Danzig era. <laughs> So I wanted to listen to this without any of that, you know, without any of that baggage. And honestly, when I listen to this, I'm like, I kind of wish these were kind of these vocals are closer to what I was hoping to with Ice Nine Kills, because otherwise you don't want to do a Danzig impersonation. No, no. So I think this is the best of what they should have done. I, I don't see any other vocalist. Really? Because it's either going to be a Danzig impersonation, or it's going to sound like Blink-182. Yeah, I can... I can. So that's why, like, so I think he, his vocals are, you know, like, they're serviceable. And I think at times I, I enjoy it on some of these songs, because it's very pop-punky. It's very much of what was popular at the time. Oh, it's very pop-punk. It's yeah, very- it's, you know, it's, it's Blink, it's the Vandals, it's, you know, I think they're now copying the bands that copied them but that's fine i mean the the band was going to continue on it could have got a lot worse <laughs> uh if you listen to the devil's reign the jerry only vocals uh, whew, oh god paul no it's it's not good and I, I think for me i think what it is is there is the fact that it's not dancing and again i wonder if it would have made more sense for the Yes, like Saturday Night's a little bit lighter. I don't know. I think they maybe should have moved away from some of the horror, maybe a little bit. And, you know, I, 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 that's my thought. That's their thing, though. I know it's their thing. I get it's their thing. But that's just, again, that's my opinion. So, I mean, it's, I think it's hard for us to go track by track on something like this, Joe. Yeah, but, but we can if you want. If you want to, yeah, I, I just kind of want. I'll bring up the songs I like. Okay, let's and you'll bring up the songs you like, and then we'll kind of talk the ones that don't work. Yep. Okay. Fair enough. So let's start with you. Which ones do you like? Okay, so I love Forbidden Zone because I love Planet of the Apes. Yeah, and I will. I will say this: that that's one on mine as well. But go on. Uh, I think the. The the chorus to Dust to Dust is pretty catchy, so I like that. That's two. Saturday night I love. Saturday night is one it's of the those, best on the album. It's so yeah, it's the best. This should have been the single. That should have been the single. No uh, question. It's, this is like I put Saturday night up there with like my favorite Danzig era because it's it's fucking good. It's like, you know, it's it's a fucked up 
uh, <laughs> love song yep. about murdering a woman. Uh, and then I would do what's uh, after Saturday night. I like Helena, which is based off of uh, boxing Helena. Boxing Helena. Oh, yeah. So we got the David Lynch connection because uh, yep. uh, what's her, his daughter's name? Yep. Uh, Jennifer Lynch directed that, starring our Audrey Horn, Sherilyn Fenn, and I like Descending Angel. So those would be like like the five songs I really enjoyed. <laughs> I felt like those were solid songs. So for me, for Ben Zone, Dust to Dust, I will say I like I I can handle Scream. Saturday Night's amazing. Pumpkinhead because that's I I just you, I love you that. love Pumpkinhead, don't yeah. you? Well, I love Lance Hendricks. I love <laughs> Hendricks. Uh, any anything he's in, I will watch it. Um, Descending Angel and Helena. Those are the ones. Yeah. I, yeah. So we're pretty much the same. Yeah, yeah, because they're they're. I felt like those were strong songs, and I feel like if maybe Jerry only wasn't such a dick, and like maybe they could have worked on some of these other songs a little bit more. Beside, instead of alienating their lead singer and songwriter, I feel like this could have been a lot better album. Probably, and I, I and I do think that there is. The ones I don't like, like the Crawling Eye and Scarecrow Man. Yeah, those are because they're kind of uh, those are the songs they're trying to be like Earth AD. Yeah, me where they're trying to do the hardcore. Yep. And honestly, Paul, I don't really care for the hardcore Danziger. <laughs> it's like, Mommy, can I go out and kill tonight? Is probably the only one. I love that song. I'm yeah, sorry, I do. but I do. like. But like you know, like Earth AD, I rarely don't ever listen to. But I have to say, the reason why I love "Mommy Can I Go Out and Kill Night" is there's a humor value to it. Yeah, uh, because he's like, "Mommy, can I go out and kill tonight?" Yeah, and you know, so it, there, there's there's a there's a tongue in cheek humor to it. Yeah, in, in- and I think that's also why I like Saturday Night on here. Yeah, uh, it starts. There's 52 ways to murder anyone. One and two are the same, and they both work as well. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm coming clean for Amy. Julie doesn't scream as well, and the cops won't listen all night. <laughs> it's it's yeah, I I do I, I do yeah I I will say it does play to that. Um, and I it's think got that 50s like almost <laughs> like a Roy Orbison song. Yeah, it's got that 50s vibe to it. Which I think again fits. I you know because they kind of like you know they they were the greaser they were the horror greaser. Yeah, I mean they were the. Uh, I, re- I watched a documentary on like the history of punk. And, uh, John Doe from X was talking like, yeah, there weren't many bands that were straight up violent, promoting violence in the audience, with you know, of course, the exception of the Misfits. <laughs> <laughs> And I would probably put Black Flag in there too, because Black Flag I'd put in there. Yeah, Rollins infamously pulled a guy by his throat on stage and asked him if he wanted him to murder him. So, yeah, he's, there's a lot of testosterone, <laughs> almost too much. Maybe. Rollins, you think? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think he has hair on his knuckles. He's got so much testosterone. 
the guy's like what in his mid sixties and he's still fucking jacked as shit. Yeah, he would. You could easily him. kick my ass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> There's no point in Henry Rollins's entire life where he would not be able to kick my ass, Paul. Agreed. Agreed. Joe. Agreed. <laughs> but yeah, so I think we're on the same page. Like the ones that worked worked. Uh, the ones that don't don't. I would overall say uh, it's not it's not bad. I, th- I think uh, it's catchy enough for me. Like I have a very uh, it's very poppy and I really like poppy punk type of stuff. You know, I'm not ashamed of that. I'm fucking 41. I don't have to be ashamed of nothing anymore. So I, I for me, it, 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 it's perfectly fine. It's better than uh, American psycho, which was the first ones they did without Danzig. Yeah. And I kind of like it better than earth AD with Danzig. So I'm going to say, I, I, I'm going to recommend it. I am. I will too. I think, uh, it, I think it just gets a lot of a bad rap. Like you said, the vocals don't always mesh. Exactly. But for you, I think it, it was more of an issue with me. I think it's just the difference of opinion between you and I. Absolutely. But I think, it, you know, for the, the way that they're, I feel like it was produced in a way to uh, confirm more of the vocals <laughs> than the instrumentation. Because let's face it, Doyle is not a technical guitarist. And oh. I have a feeling he is absolutely not playing guitar in this album. <laughs> I I wonder. I don't even think Jerry only is playing bass on this album, Paul. I'll be I'll be I I've listened to like a lot of like to me when you listen to anything pre this and then you listen to this, it's it's jarring. So yeah, because if you listen to that guitar riff at the beginning of Scream, there's no fucking way Doyle played that. So <laughs> I remember. I think you'll remember when um when the, the Strokes' first album came out. Yeah. And it was very basic, right? Basic guitar, basic, yeah. basic, basic, basic. And then their second album came out. And then all of a sudden, we're like, what the fuck is this? Like, we started to see Albert Hammond Jr. really show off his guitar work and things like mm-hmm. that. And now you look at where they are today and you listen to the vocal range of Julian Casablancas, and like just everyone in that band is massively talented. And I don't feel like they necessarily grew. I think it was a physical decision to be basic on that first album. Yeah, well, it's your, it's your first album, and maybe they didn't have the chops. That, you know, you kind of build the chops because I don't. The Strokes weren't like busting their ass in a van for like ten years before they had that first album. They kind of came together you know they kind of came together i mean they all were very well to do let's let's be clear yeah, on that. they're all rich kids they were all rich kids i mean uh, albert hammond jr his dad was albert fucking hammond um, really i didn't even pick that up yeah yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah no really huh. yeah. Huh. funny how i'll that, be damn funny. Yeah, i'll be damn funny how that junior thing works right? So, I mean, this is a kid that was surrounded by money and all the best music, you know. So there's no surprise to me who's super talented. So yeah. I think there was kind of some marketing there, some packaging with them, which was, well, be this basic, you know, you know, yeah. this basic band, you know, the Strokes, and then you guys could come out and really wow them. And I really think that was a marketing thing. But here... <laughs> yeah, here is... It's, you have a long line of slop, and then all of a sudden you have this... And, and you go. Mm. I I honestly think they added better musicians on here, Paul. 
because of how well put together the Danzig albums were. And if you're always going to be compared to John Christ from Danzig as a guitarist, you don't want Doyle. No, no. <laughs> you, you want the best session musician you can to do the technical stuff that you would hear on Danzig 1 through 4. I'm convinced there's a lot of session musicians on there. Yeah, I am too. Like I, The personnel on the wiki page says it's just them, but I don't believe it. Maybe Do- I believe Dr. Chud played all the drums, but that's probably, and Michael Graves sang his vocals, but that's that's where about as far as I'm going to trust that wiki. Yeah, I mean, look, <laughs> and let's be fair, Dr. Chud. The reason why he didn't want to get in the ring, the fight, and the wrestle was he wanted to be able to keep drumming. Yeah, and he's not a wrestler. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Chud knew what was going on, Paul. Like, Dr. Chud's the heart of that band. <laughs> so yes, but you and I completely agree. Yeah, we both, we leaned to the songs that popped, and yeah, I would say it's worth it. I mean, yeah. here's the thing. It's not, it's not going to be Danzig era. The lyrics aren't as fucked up as Danzig, because face it, uh, I don't think anybody in the band wanted to go as dark as Danzig is. It's just not who they are. But it's perfectly fine, and fuck, man, it's not every day you get a song about the Planet of the Apes. Or Pumpkinhead. Pumpkinhead, yeah, or 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 boxing Helena. <laughs> boxing Helena, you you can't even stream boxing Helena anywhere, Paul. You got to buy the physical copy. Yeah, yeah, no, you do, you do. Joe Bob Briggs was right, man. Like it's easier to fucking censor the shit now that it's all streaming. Yeah. Um, but no, I, 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 and again, the songs that pop pop. Yep. And for that reason, I at least for me, if a if a punk song works, it's going to work. Yep. And it's going to have, to me, a mass appeal. Um, there's, you know, there's certain, that's why the Vandals have certain songs that enjoy, and that's why every punk band, you know, uh, suicidal, um, suicidal tendencies, every punk band. Just wants a Pepsi, Just Paul. wants a Pepsi. Mom, all I want is a Pepsi. <laughs> um, but if you notice, like, they have that song, like The Clash. They have their songs, and it goes mm-hmm. outside of the punk genre and yeah. resonates more. So the fact that there are songs like Saturday Night and I think Forbidden Zone and Dust to Dust and you know, Descending Angel, which I think is really, really yeah. cool. Uh, yeah, they're punk songs that work, and therefore they have mass appeal. So I would yep. say, yeah, I'd completely recommend yep. it. All right. So let's move on from the Proud Boys. To, yes. Let's go to the Dan Marison uh, Misfits, the Static Age. Paul, this was uh, this was an album that was recorded and not released until fuck ninety five. Yeah, uh, ninety six, nineteen ninety six. It wasn't released till nineteen ninety six. Songs on here were released on various singles, uh, the Legacy of Brutality compilation. That compilation's infamous because Danzig overdubbed the guitars and bass and stuff so you wouldn't have to pay the musicians who played all the songs. Oh, Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah, like, it's like, again, there's a lot of spite in the Misfits. Wow. Wow, this is some, um, this is some Pink Floyd-level fucking... Yeah, Pink, the Misfits are like Pink Floyd-level Floyd spite and wire. Why can't everyone get along like goddamn Genesis? <laughs> well, everybody's a Tony Banks in these bands, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> He's a Tony Banks. 
but I know he's your spirit animal. So yeah. go on. <laughs> but yeah, so these songs were recorded late seventies, uh, and yeah, it was they recorded it, and they just couldn't find a label to put it out, and then they just moved on. And then once the resurgence of the Misfits after these lawsuits with Dan Marison and Jerry Lee, uh, Danzig puts out the, the this box set of like the Misfits collections, uh, the Static Age, a live album, and like studio outtakes or whatever. And like, if there's anything like throwing shade at the new Misfits, it was this was presented as a CD box set in a coffin. <laughs> the misfits are dead <laughs> fucking hilarious yeah so but the static age was recorded various places and yeah it came out uh I, fuck i can't remember i remember like when i think it was american psycho came out around th- this time and then dancing released the static age which if, i believe from the lawsuit he gets all the royalties for <laughs> Uh, this iteration of the Misfits is Glenn Danzig, Jerry on- only, uh, French Coma, who's on guitars and backing vocals, and the drummer, of course, Mr. Jim. Yep. Yep. French Coma and Mr. Jim, I uh, have no idea whatever happens to them. Yeah, I don't know what happened to them. I, did they just kind of just stop music? Well, it's just, here's the thing. It's the late 70s. Everybody's in a punk band. It's like, you know, I, you have to remember the misfits weren't what they are today back then the fuck they wouldn't even get recognized for probably six seven eight years after they broke up so the fact that they're able to record some of this shit is astounding on its own yeah interesting yeah yeah so yeah so again this was recorded it's kind of a lost album because written the original Iteration, they only released two albums, Earth AD and Walk Among Us. I was going to do Walk Among Us, but since they're doing their um, the 40th anniversary shows of that, I, I think they pulled it off streaming. So mm, that makes I own it, but I wasn't sure if you owned it, so I didn't. Wanna, I don't. I didn't want to make you hunt it down. I appreciate that. Thank you for being. Yeah, so we did the Static Age, which again, this is classic Danzig era misfits. Yeah, it is. Tons of classic songs. So let's, we'll do track by track on this, Paul. Fuck yeah. All right. So we start off with Static. Static. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. Yeah. So this good. kind of puts you into like, uh, puts me in a horror movie theme, like a flickering kind of staticky TV. Absolutely. And it's a, it's a banger of an opening. Yeah. It's a, banger of an opening i mean it's a great way to open an album yeah yeah and then it's followed up by tv casualty which is kind of piggybacking off of the static age yep. uh <laughs> the lyrics on this are kind of uh there's hold on i think i got have to puke there's a spot in the corner where i always go i like to feel the flies that i know but please don't feed my television screen <laughs> Yeah, um, babies in they called a womb, nine month sentence, no parole. Jesus Christ. But you also, like, a lot of these songs also have the non, like, when we were talking about that with Rob Zombie, I think he was, you know, he was obviously very inspired by Misfits and Danzig. So a lot of the lyrics make absolutely no fucking sense. No, it it, it doesn't. It's just horror movie imagery. Yeah, it's, it's imagery. 
Silvers of steel stuck in your lungs. Breathe deep. We need a donor for blood. Jaguars <laughs> at the cemetery. Cadillacs grazing at your grave. Yeah. Zenus grazing at your grave. Sony's grazing at your grave. I mean, <laughs> I get what he's doing there. The corporations are feeding off of you. But, you know, I mean, you listen to that line like silvers of uh, slivers of steel stuck in your lungs. Like, yeah, it's imagery. It's fucking it's yep. designed. Very, very disturbing imagery, which they yeah. do very, very well. Uh, next, we have some kind of hate. Now, I really love this song. It's, it's so song. simple. And it kind of goes back to like that 50s rock and roll. Just that that chord progression is just like, Dan, and it sounds like something you hear out of a 50s song. Absolutely. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's simplest lyrics. <laughs> no but again, Danzig's vocals are so. Uh, he's got yeah. such. Yeah, he yeah, he just sells my shit. Yeah. Charisma. His Charisma. Voice, his voice screams. It just oozes it. It's, uh, it's you know, I kind of miss this Danzig, Paul. <laughs> I, I miss this Danzig. I mean. There's some kind of love. There's some kind of hate. The maggots in the iron lung won't copulate. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I got a so Paul, you know the. I'll say this: the Misfits owned the woes until another uh, East Coast guy just did so many woes in one song that uh, the Misfits would never be able uh, to, uh, you know, compete. And that was Billy Joel with the longest time. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Imagine uh, being outwoed by Billy Joe. Well, you know, I mean, there's worse people to be outwoed by. Whoa, whoa. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, was that, what was that R.E.M. song uh, that, uh, that Michael Stipe threw in the, um, was it the haze? Because he wanted to have the most amount of haze in a song, so he threw it in there. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what it was. What song? Um, Haze? What was it? I don't remember. I think it was The Haze. Where, hey, hey, hey. Yeah. He purposely did that to see how many he could get away with. <laughs> he really did. Yeah. That was just like, that was just, like a little inside joke for him in the band. Like, how many can we get away with before someone goes, okay, what are you guys doing? <laughs> uh, next up, we got. The classic, uh, the one that the song I think everybody knew was Misfits, but didn't know it was Miss <laughs> Misfits was Last Caress. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is uh, the lyrics on this are still kind of kind of jarring, even in 2022. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. He opens up. If I got something to say, I killed my baby today. I killed, I killed baby. your baby today. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that much to me as long as it's dead. <laughs> Well, I got something to say. I raped your mother today. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that much to me as long as she's pregnant. I mean, that's some that's some dark shit, dude. Like that's yeah. a little yeah, you 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 couldn't you shouldn't have gotten away with it back then. <laughs> I mean, it's amazing to me that, you know, again, I believe they shelved this album, correct me if I'm wrong, Joe, because the the label um, was like, we're not going to release anything until you start giving us singles. <laughs> uh, Last Caress was put on Legacy of Brutality. I think they might have done a single for it. Like, But you have to understand, when the Misfits did singles, it was, uh, you know, 
uh, end of, uh, privately pressed. So a lot of like, so with the, I watched a thing on this. Uh, so the cool thing about this era of the misfits is they started a thing called the fiend club where they got like a newsletter every month. They could order hand silk screen shirts. Like they're silk screening them themselves. Danzig was pressing these vinyls and then putting them in like, and sending them out. If you, if these people joined the fiend club, I think for free where they might have to pay like a little bit. And so like, these are like, you know, the labels I believe are hand glued by the band and all that. So it was really cool what they were doing. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, this is, Ooh, yeah. There's some dark shit on this album. (laughs) All right. So now we get return of the fly with Vincent price, Paul. This is like the, I think this is the, well, no, it's one of the only direct references to an actual horror movie. The rest, I think, are lifted through the imagery, but yeah. Oh, yeah he's, calling I, out, he's calling out Vincent Price right away and uh, Helen, uh, Helen Lombard. <laughs> he calls out a lot of like people that kids today would have no idea, and we'll get no to that idea. with bullet. <laughs> no idea. You, you you would not know, and you're not. You don't need to know for listening to this podcast. I've, <laughs> I've already I've already killed you guys with the WCW wrestling stuff. I'm not gonna go into um, Patricia Owens. <laughs> so let's not. And really, Paul, you spent the first hour of the podcast going over wrestling. Oh, all right. Next up is my, actually my favorite song on this album. It's Hybrid Moments. I don't know why. I have no idea why this song just resonates with me, but I can listen to this song nonstop. It's a great, I, I, I get it. I, I, I can see why you would, Joe. I really can. And I, it's it's one of the ones that like when it comes up, I'm bopping my, I mean, I should be, <laughs> but I'm bopping my head with, right? Yeah, you're bopping your head to when lyrics are going, when new creatures rape your face, hybrids open up the door. I know, it's weird, it's weird. But there's something I want to make very clear, though, that is a downside to this entire album, Joe. And it's, you you could tell this was a hand-produced. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's very bassy, it's very... I don't want to say one note, but every song has like this cloud over it of what the production was. Yeah. You know, unlike Famous Monsters and other things like that, where, you know, again, and, 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 you know, what he's doing with Sennheim and, and, and dancing later stuff where he was actually being produced um, versus this is. Um, so there is that kind of, there's some of the things where I would say, I think it gets away with some of it because it's kind of hard sometimes to tell what Danzig is saying mm-hmm. because of the production. So yeah. It's kind of like, you know, you're kind of like, oh, it's a pop song, you know, like, oh, it's, it's a punk song. Okay. Blah, blah. But then you catch like little words, like rape your face. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> like there's little things that pop out. Like I fuck, you know, I raped your mother today. What? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. When you're in your early 20s, 19, late 70s, you know, New Jersey, you're not really in New York. You're not going to get the best producer. That's just, just, especially when you're an independent band. Exactly. 
So yes, it does suffer from that because there's only so much I think. Even if they went back and remastered this, Paul, I think there's only so much they can do. I I, I don't think they really. I, I, I think it's probably recorded on four tracks. Uh, honestly, I don't think there's anything. Yeah, this is probably recorded on Tascam. Yeah, so I imagine like this is they could probably clean it up a little bit, but I mean, some of the charm is the grit on it. So oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Um, and, and, I, and I don't think it'd be worth the time to try a remaster because I don't think the normal person outside of an audiophile would even tell. Yeah. Uh, so next up we have We Are 138, a very simple song, uh, allegedly based off of uh, George Lucas's first movie, THX 1138. Yep. Uh, it, this one does not do it for me. Um, and I think it's because it's, I, again, it's punk, it's repeating, but this is too much. Yeah, it's just, we are 138, we are 138. Like, this is just, it just seems like a song you just play live. Yep. You yes. know? This is just a, just something you play when you when you need something easy to play, you know, you're, you're yeah. at the end of the set. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but then it's followed by Teenagers from Mars. I like, I like Teenagers from Mars. I do. Well, yeah, it's basically about oh, horror movie teenagers from Mars. Yeah, yeah, I, I do. I, you know, we are the angel mutants. The streets um, for us seduction. Our cousin Justin Ancient uh, in this B film, Born Invasion. Oh, dude, so good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, like, so after one thirty-eight, you get something that has a little more meat to it. Like, you know, you'll have like things, you know, like. Some kind of hate, like it's catchy, but again, it's like 138. Yep. There's not a whole lot lyrically, but then you'll have something like shocking, like Last Caress, where you're like, holy fuck. And then you have hybrid moments where it's kind of like you wish it was a longer song because of like it actually has like a good melody and it's really catchy. And it's one of the weird things about Danzig is like he has a very good pop sensibility. <laughs> yeah, he really does. Uh, that I, I, I wish he would have leaned in more because he's really good at creating earworms. I have to say that it's been, like I said, it's been a long time since we were dancing free. And, um, uh, 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 what is it, Santina, uh, Sanitas? Um, that song has been on my playlist. I like, I just, it's an earworm. Like, I can't, like, so I find myself going back and thinking about it. I will say, though, that there is problematic lyrics in this one with we land in barren fields on the Arizona plains. The insemination of little girls in the middle of wet dreams. Eee, like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, We're going there. We're going. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. And a lot of things, too. And I think it's also a lot with the shock value when punk first came out. Fuck yeah. So, like, a lot of it was to really rattle. That's why a lot of, you know, the Ramones had, like, you know, the, the Nazi insignia kind of stuff. And, uh, that stupid piece of shit said vicious more like this the not the swastika shirt I, I think there was just like this thing like we're gonna like fuck the norm so much that we're just you know and i think it gets tiring for me like i, I really I'm don't, with you. I'm with I don't you. give a shit about that stuff so i did when i was an edgy 20 year old <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah know? but no you, you know it's it now it's just like ugh. yeah no now it's just like it's, there, there, there was a movie um, called Feast, and there's three of them. It's a trilogy, and it suffers from the same thing. 
like again, I watched it. I'm like, you know what? If I was 17, 15, 16 years old in the fucking early 90s, I would have been all over this movie, and this movie would have been a big deal. But because it was made now, and it just there, there are scenes in it that were just there to be an edge lord. Yeah, it doesn't work anymore because. And I don't think, I, I, I mean, even with my kids, like, they're not into the edgelord stuff either. They, they just, they look at it and recognize it for what it is. Like, like yeah, it's shock for shock value. That was like, uh, you know, so this is definitely a product of its time, essentially. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, it's still like, you'll have those fucked up lyrics where it's problematic in the middle of like one of the catchiest songs on the album. Yes. And teenagers from Mars, though, we don't care. It's so, I mean, yeah, it's good. It's really catchy. It's really pop sensibility. You know, we don't need no introduction, no avisas, no car, uh, what they want. In human reproduction, we're here for what we want. It's yeah. like, okay, we know exactly what you're talking about, Danzig. <laughs> <laughs> uh, next, we come to the longest track on the album, clocking at five minutes, which is weird because most of the songs are under two. Yeah. Uh, come back. What'd you think of Come Back, Paul? It, uh, no. I, I didn't like it. I, I didn't. It was just, it was too, like, again, you got these two minute punk songs and then you do this and it's like right in the middle. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It slows, it slows it down. Yeah. It slows it way down. And it, honestly, I think it's like an anchor in the middle of a fucking boat, you know? Yeah. I think it would have worked probably better at the end of the album, maybe. I think so. I, yeah, when you're when you're done with all the stuff, and now you know it's time to leave the bar. It's time to leave the show. We're gonna do this, you know, five minute thing and slow things down a little bit, and get you ready to fucking leave. Yeah, I think it fits there. Yeah, because even though even it's slow, it still has like again the pop sensibilities. Like you know, it, it's not necessarily a terrible song. It's just placed in a bad spot and this is kind of like <clears throat> these slower songs is kind of like what he would kind of do with the first sam hain album he would have like a lot like a lot of these slower type songs on it so and that doesn't and you know me i typically like the slower songs i think it's because of the production value as well yeah yeah and sam hain's even worse because it's that was even lower fi than this so yes i would love to see danzig go back and pick some of these songs and redo them. I know he's well, not. You could listen to the Legacy of Brutality album. That's exactly what he did, Paul. Fair enough. And I think Fair he enough. did that with the collections, too. Like did he? Collection okay, 1 I and Collection 2. I think him and Erie Vaughn re-recorded the bass and guitar and vocals on on that. So. Oh, I'll have to check that out. Yeah, message yeah. me that later. Yeah. Uh, then we have <laughs> the, another Edgelord song, Little Angel Fuck. Yep. Uh, doesn't yeah. do much for me. No, no, it's it's Edge Lord. I mean, little angel fuck. I've seen you down a fire on a fire plug. Yeah, oh, little angel fuck size for everyone. Yeah, I think like come back and angel fuck. He's trying to do like show off like he can do like Elvisy type songs, yeah. but we know that because we already heard his vocals. Well, and and that, yeah, and he just hasn't become Jim Morrison yet. Yeah, well, he's already been Jim Morrison. Yeah, now he's Dan Morrison. Yeah, yeah, now he's Dan Morrison. That's right. He was already Jim Morrison. Now he's Dan Morrison, and yeah. he wants to 
you know, he was very poetic as Jim Morrison here. He wants to be more edgy and like he wants to make sure that nobody ever would find out that he was Jim. Yeah, yeah. And then we go, uh, and uh, this is actually one of the classic songs, Hollywood Babylon. Yeah, this is a classic song. I like this song a lot. It, it took a while for me to for it to grow on me because it's like a at the first part of the 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 collection and like this and she on those collections really is like a slow you know it doesn't really represent the band that well so like I always was a little on the fence but I, when I listen to it on uh, Static Age I like it a little bit more. It it fits I think it fits really well I mean. Who came along for the ride? Hey, you can't come inside. <laughs> this, this is Neil for sex. It's heaven coming on her chest. I mean, <laughs> I mean, come on. It's I mean, yeah. It's, yeah it's, he's, uh, he's a man. Classic Danzig could string a <laughs> string some words. A lot better than later, later Danzig. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah, he could really turn a phrase. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, next we have Attitude. Uh, yep. This is not my favorite. I mean, it feels like a Black Flag song, honestly. It sounds like them trying to do like a Rollins era Black Flag. Even though I think this might be before a Rollins era Black Flag. It 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 it, does. it feels like I could feel I could see Henry Rollins singing this song. Fuck yeah! Oh yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Inside your beat up brain, there's probably a whore. If you don't shut your mouth, you're going to feel the floor. Yeah. yeah no, and this is yeah. a infamously covered by Guns N' Roses on the Spaghetti Incident, God. sung by Duff McGagan. That's, yeah, that was a mistake. <laughs> it was a mistake, Paul. It was a mistake. <laughs> we, don't let Duff, we don't let Duff touch the microphone. Um, yeah. yeah. Although when I saw them live, he did Search and Destroy, and he did a pretty good vocal on that his vocals uh, you know weren't as blown out as actual so he actually sounded a little better oh, yeah i mean i i suppose you could. i think you maybe that would have saved uh guns and roses just on a side note if they'd had someone who could actually sing for when for like with the fourth song in when axel rose blew his fucking every fucking door i think they you know i love guns and roses but i think they would have benefited from a, a second vocalist yeah. to help that i think of that with like a lot of bands like you know, even like Led Zeppelin and the Who, I think, because you're putting all the weight of those complicated vocals mm-hmm. with the, all those bands on one person. And I think that's tough. I couldn't imagine doing that. I will say um, one of the things I saw was um, one of the first times I saw the Jules Holland show. Um, if you remember that, remember that show was a live show. They have bands on, and it was not even a talk show. It's just literally like we have three bands. We'll give them like two minutes to talk, and then we're just gonna, you know, play songs. And I remember Radiohead doing Paranoid Android, and I went, "Holy fuck! How are they gonna do this live?" And <laughs> one of the Greenwoods, I was blown away because he can do Tom York. So, like on the album, it's Tom York. You know, Rolling it, they were doing it live. It fucking worked. It worked well, and that shocked me. Yeah, I think that performance part of it's at least on the documentary. Meeting people is easy, right? Uh, yes, 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 yes. It is. Yeah, because yeah, I, I, I have that, and I, that sounds very familiar to me. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. 
And I think more bands would have done better with that. But, you know, here's the problem is that with with Guns N' Roses, you had Duff. And, and with, uh, with the Misfits, you had only. Jericho. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So up next, we got the closest we'll ever get to a political song by the Misfits, Bullet Paul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yep. Boy, what do we do with this one? Um, I, I, I don't want to touch it with a ten foot pole. I mean, I mean, pre- president's bullet ridden body in the street. Ride, Johnny, ride. Kennedy's shattered head hits the concrete. Ride, Johnny, ride. Johnny's wife is floundering. Johnny's wife is scared. Run, Jackie, run. Texas is an outrage when your husband is dead. Texas is an outrage when they pick up his head. Texas is the reason that the president's dead. You gotta suck, suck, Jackie, suck. Wow. This is uh, like, but the imagery in those lyrics are fucking. <laughs> it's, you're, I'm seeing the fuck is a pooter film. Yeah. I mean, he, again, like we said, Danza could turn a phrase around. Like the lyrics, it's just so uncomfortable, this song. And I think that's kind of what they're going for. And I'm I'm on I'm on board for most of it until he's talking about masturbating me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until we get the entire. Ver- okay, I will touch this with a ten foot pole. Let me just do this. I'm not proud. I'm doing this right now. A riot, Jackie O. Jonathan F. Kennedy will rise and be shot down. Dirt's gonna be your desert. My cum will be your life source. And the only way to get it is to suck or fuck or be poor and devoid and masturbate me. Masturbate me, then slurp it from your palm. Like a dry desert soaking up the rain, soaking up the sun. Oof. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, 1978, this was edgy. 2022, what the fuck are we doing? Like, yeah, 2022, I'm still quite shocked by this I'm song. very, I, you, I'm not person someone to get shocked. This is shocking. Like, if this yeah. isn't shocking you, I, I'm actually concerned that you might be a sociopath. Yeah, it's a <laughs> shocking song. I couldn't imagine hearing this in 78, because what? It's only been, what, 14 years since Kennedy was dead? Yeah. Like, that's still pretty fresh. Like, it's, it's, I mean, I, I know people go, it's been 14 years. You got to understand, that was that's the, the president. president. That's <laughs> the president. It was the first one since fucking um, Lincoln. And it was on TV. And it really, then it let yeah. it, you know, it, it, that defined, I mean, that was our 9-11. Right now, people are starting to make 9-11 jokes 20 years later. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I'm, so it's it's shocking. It's still shocking. Like, yeah, and again, it's it's catchy because dancing knows how to do that. So, <laughs> is, I, I guess the one thing that I I don't under I mean, <laughs> it's done for shock value because it doesn't mean anything. Again, it's 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 that we talked about where um, Rob Zombie got this from, but it's gibberish. It's just a bunch of words strung together. That he went, oh man, that's going to piss off some people. That's all it is. There's yeah. no real. It's basically just kind of describing Kennedy getting shot. Yeah, yeah. Like it's a very, it's almost like a, a snapshot until you get to the the shocking part at that's the end. I mean. I'm talking about the shocking part itself. Yeah, because like before shocking. leading up to it, it's very specific imagery. Very. No, no. And like I, I think that's so well done. And then it gets to. Gets to that, I'm just like, Phew. yeah, you lost me. Like, and that's the thing. Like I said, this is pure edge lord. Like, this was made. Yeah. I can literally see him writing this, going, 
Yeah, that's going to piss everybody off. <laughs> that's all he's writing it for. There's no meaning behind it. There's no anything other than I'm being a dick. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, and then we get, I would say these last few songs are actually like the most horror kind of vibes to them. Starting with Theme for a Jackal, yeah. Theme for a Jackal, because it feels like there's like a piano here, but I don't know if it is. I could, I could tell. I mean, I could see. I could see. It sounds like there is, but I'm not sure. But it's I like this. I like this. Like it's more it it sounds like it sounds like the audio equivalent of a B movie, horror B movie. Yes. And that's why I like it a lot. Yes. And like it just really feels this and then the last song I really feel like horror like you know, like this sounds like it would should be the soundtrack to an old black and white horror movie. Absolutely. I mean, you get the things like um, acceptable from a this little sister on the front lawn, bitch, bitch. She is like, from the inside out, dead daughter in the river, and she's gained by her liver. Play theme for a jackal play. Like, yeah. yeah, you could definitely see that being like an, uh, a black and white horror movie. Yeah. Uh, so next we have She. This is. I believe the first Misfits song recorded and on the box set was originally recorded with like keyboard. And I think a drum machine. It was like the first iteration of the Misfits was almost like an electronic band. Holy fuck. Yeah. I yeah. It was like Danzig and some woman. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it's weird hearing the evolution of this song. It really is. It's weird. Uh, yeah. It's, it's not my favorite Misfits song, but it's just it's one of those curios like Danzig just wouldn't let it go, so he kept recording it. But it, it isn't it isn't about Patty Hearst, isn't that? Yeah, the yeah, yeah. Well, the, the the machine gun in her hand and all that. So yeah, yeah. yeah. She's got a, a rich daddy. She's a daddy's girl. She loves them. she loves the affairs. She has lost control there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Spinal Remains, I feel like this is another, like, in the theme for a jackal, kind of another slower song. Like, I'm kind of glad they put these slower songs toward the end. I wish they would have put, though, Come Back in this lineup. Yeah, I do, too, because it it just, Come Back slows down the the momentum. Yep. But again, this wasn't even really a proper (laughs) album, so I don't know. Maybe Danzig just threw them all in random order. Uh, yeah, in lyrics, we have no reason, but we still have fun. Down to the floor, baby whisper name. Yeah, when I rip my back, uh, when you rip my back to shreds, I dig my boots in the soft remains of your <laughs> Yeah, um, I mean, it's, I, I, again, I feel like these last four songs are kind of what my scripts are running going for. Yep, yeah, especially with um, uh, Walk Among Us, very much lyrically, not sound-wise, but lyrically, more of the more of the grotesque horror movie stuff. And then we cap it out with In the Doorway, Paul. In the Doorway. Which is, I think if you're going to end it, this is a good song yeah. to end it with. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think this is a smart way, man. I, t- I mean, I Personally, would I would it have been you and I writing this album? I would have put comeback, <laughs> and you know instead of I would have done in the doorway in the comeback, maybe yeah. comeback in 
into into the doorway. Yeah, swap those. Yep, swap those. Yep, yep. But overall, I mean, it's again, the imagery is fantastic. <laughs> Light in the doorway, shining so bright in the doorway. Clench your hips for the flesh you tore my prose. In the doorway, animal lie like the doorway as you hide. Hear it then. Will you let me in? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder what he's talking about, Joe. <laughs> I have no idea, <laughs> I, I just, I wonder what this song could be about. Um, <laughs> I'm starting to suspect Dan's a, Dan Marison was kind of a horn dog. I, you know, I'm wondering if that was maybe his thing. I'm wondering <laughs> if, if he was uh, full of testosterone, booze, and cocaine at this time. Oh, probably a lot of things, Paul. <laughs> a lot of things. Um, so, Joe, what's your impression of the Static Age? Oh, it's a it's a stone cold classic. There's so many classic songs on here. So, I mean, yeah, there's like "Come Back" slows it down. Like, like I agree with you. Like, "In the Doorway" should probably have been after "Return of the" after uh, "Teenagers from Mars" and then put in the "Come Back" at the end. Um, but yeah, I like it. I mean, like, not all the songs work for me. It's misfits are like, I love them, but like, I, I don't love every song by them. So sure, yeah, shouldn't love any every song by by every single. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But yeah, I would. I this is probably I think a really good introduction to the misfits. If you want to get into the misfits, this has like the classic songs on it that would probably like if you like this, then you'll probably like their other stuff. If you don't like this, you probably won't like anything they did. So, Yes, I'm going to go with you on that one as well. This is, you have to understand this production value. This is what you're going to get. And if if you, uh, I could see where people would not be able to get in just for the production value alone. (laughs) Well, the subject matter too. Well, I mean, and I think the the production value is probably the least of their work. <laughs> a bullet offends you. But I could see people getting into it and like you know not being able to understand some of the lyrics. Again, hearing yeah. the word rape here and there, you know, I, I, I mean, there are certain things you're you're not going to hear every fucking word. But no. if you can get past the production value, now your next barrier to entry is the subject matter. So, <laughs> I mean, I think. You should know if this is for you or not. Yeah, going in, you you, you either know or not. It's horror, punk. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's if you like horror, punk, and then you know because these they started it. Yep. Uh, you'll probably like it. If that's not your thing, you're not gonna like it. Uh, I mean, if you love dancing, you'll probably like this a lot. You probably won't like the production value a lot because again, it's. It's lo-fi, not as lo-fi as Samhain. Samhain is a whole, whole other ordeal, but... Uh, That's a whole other ordeal. Yeah, but this is, uh, yeah, the production value is very much late 70s punk band with no money. Yep. But it sounds a lot better than a lot of other late 70s punk bands with no money, because I think, you know, when Danzig put this out, he probably invested some money to just get some of this mastered up, sounding a lot better than... As, probably as best as he could. Yeah, I, I mean, and I, I, what do you? I mean, this was the fact that it was released in 1997 did it no favors in terms of new people coming. Right? Like, if no. you go into looking at this, going, "Oh, it's a 1997, you know, 
Misfits album. Oh, you're gonna be in trouble. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it's it was you know it's one of those lost albums that like existed in word of mouth. Uh, God, I'm trying to remember. I read an interview where like a lot of these like almost all the old Misfits reels like was like in boxes in like the basement of Danzig's mother's house. <laughs> like he just boxed this sh- after the band broke up. He just boxed this shit and put it away. Like he was one of those guys. Like I am not looking back at this fucking experience. <laughs> Because it was a, he put a lot of time into it, a lot more time than I think the other guys did, and I think that frustration really jaded him for the longest time. Like, oh, that doesn't surprise me. But Joe, don't you mean his mother's house, <laughs> mother, mother, or his mother, his mother house? <laughs> Can I go and stash this in your house? <laughs> I want to put it in a box. I want to throw it in the stairs. <laughs> yeah, you think these songs are hard to understand? Wait till you listen to "Mommy, Can I Go Out and Kill Tonight." Oh, I actually nice. had to, I actually like had to look up the lyrics when I first heard that because I had no idea what the fuck he was saying. I had to do the same thing, Joe. I, yeah, <laughs> I had to do the same. I'm like, what the fuck is he saying? Like, what is happening right now? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say it predates Jeremy by Pearl Jam by a couple decades, <laughs> or oh, yeah. a decade at least. Big well, Miller kid goes and kills people. And again, you know that's something that you know that's a whole. Not- when we finally get to uh, when we finally get to them, uh, one Eddie Vedder, we'll talk about that being kind of his his thing. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I remember doing karaoke and doing um, black and none of the lyrics were right. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking at the karaoke DJ going, I'm just going to sing it the way that it is because this is not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so Joe, that's two albums that we did. Yep. That we both recommend from the yep. some different versions. Yep, they weren't all 100%, but the songs that do stand out on both of them uh, stand out pretty very well. Uh, again, like, you know, aside from Michael Graves' uh, politics, I still think people should probably check it out if you're a Misfits fan. Uh, the Danzig era, uh, obviously, you know, this is this is essential. Yeah, it's essential Misfits. Yeah. Whew. That was a lot of misfits, Paul. That was a lot of misfits and a lot of wrestling. Uh, <laughs> Almost too much wrestling, Paul. I, 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 I think I, think I, I aged thirty-five years when you were talking. About I, I think I reeled it in where it wasn't where it wasn't too much wrestling. <laughs> You're going off on the Attitude Era. I just happened to ask that question. Like I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Uh, all right, it's all right. It's it's fine. <laughs> like now I know. Yeah. Well, you know, and for that thing, just so you understand, um, that was like the reason why that era. I don't watch wrestling anymore. I listen to podcasts about that era of wrestling. In that time, that was like the some of the best memories I had with my old man. We were still getting along and uh, that type of thing. So like kind of nostalgic for me so 
kind of go back, you know, and I was in the cast up era. And I remember kind of sitting there. It was this calm period of like the calm period of like me and my dad's relationship where we would just sit there and fight and yell at each other just sit there and watch wrestling and we would agree you know like oh my god that guy's a dick oh he's such <laughs> it was like the one thing in the world that we could watch and agree upon um so you know I, that's just kind of a, a a nostalgic time for me in that regard so i'm kind of like you know, I'll go back and, I, and I'm fa- I'm always been fascinated with like behind the scenes. Just like if you ever watch like Dark Side of the Ring or any of those weird ass stories, that's far more interesting than what was going on in the ring at the time. You know, <laughs> like who would have known that the Misfits, you know, basis stole Randy Macho Man's girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> like. How is it, why is that even coming out of my mouth as a thing that happened? Because we live in the dumbest timeline. <laughs> what was going on then? <laughs> um, well, Joe, what do you guys got going on at the Joe Down? Uh, we're, our next review for Halloween month is uh, Children of the Corn. Yes, sir. And the, and the one we're doing after that is the 2013 remake of Evil Dead. Because I've never seen it. Okay, I'm not going to say my, my piece on it till after you see it. I will say this about Children of the Corn. We have your woman, Outlander. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Isaac's the oldest looking little kid I've ever seen. I was, remember, the, remember the rumor that that was Carrot Top when we were kids? I, Malachi? Uh, the, the, it was Mal, yeah, Malachi. Yeah, Malachi was Carrot Top. That was the rumor <laughs> when we were kids. Uh, I don't remember that. Oh, yeah. No, someone's like, you know, I remember a kid in high school. Uh, I'm not going to say his name. Um, but uh, um, saying to me, yeah, you know, that was uh, that was Carrot Top. I was like, no, it wasn't. <laughs> Is this the same person who told you that that fake ending to Twin Peaks that was more fucking bizarre? <laughs> Maybe. <clears throat> Maybe. <laughs> I'm gonna say it's maybe <laughs> the 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 ML fits, doesn't it, sir? <laughs> it kind of does. Kind of does. And honestly, I still want to see that finale of Twin Peaks you described. I want to see that finale of Twin Peaks, right? Like it feels the only the only he could come up with something as lynching as Lynch. Um, <laughs> all right, Joe. Well, do you want to ask me what we're doing next week? What are we doing next week, Paul? We're jumping back in the death metal, Joe. Okay. We are going to do um, a Swedish death metal band called Tribulation. And their 2015 album, The Children of the Night. Um, is, uh, this is up there. It's one of those must listen to in a lot of... Uh, I'll be honest with you. I am not... This was something I looked at when I was trying to find Halloween songs to play. Like, Halloween, I like to put up a Bluetooth speaker and play songs like Halloween. Like, not just like the Misfits, but I can find like actual songs, like the Misfits and horror things. Mm-hmm. This is something that came across as like, hey, this is a must listen to for, you know, the Halloween mood and that type of thing. This is a must listen to album. All right. We're going to check it out together, and it could be another uh, Porridge Radio. Um, 
I brought it up real quick here, Paul. How do you pronounce the track five? Uh, let me look at which one here. Uh, I, I, uh, <laughs> uh, this <is> a little slap. Snivel <laughs> 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 snivel slap. Yeah, that's how you pronounce that. Um, I don't know. I have a, I have a friend from Sweden. I can ask her. That's <laughs> actually my mom's friend. I could have her ask. Yeah, I could. She grew up in Sweden, like she's from Sweden, so she goes she goes on vacations with my mom. And shit, so I can I can ask her <laughs> how you pronounce Schnurzelflat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, Joe. Well, we went from dancing to wrestling to Shush Proud Boy. Boys. Yep, Proud Boys to Kennedy's assassination. <laughs> Jesus Christ. This was a man. This was what I think Paul McCartney would describe as the long and winding road, sir. <laughs> <laughs> Vincent Price was brought up. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And uh you know, George Lucas's THX eleven thirty. We had a lot going on in this one, Paul. You know, we this, this was this is one of our more bumpier, uh, action-packed albums. Uh, <laughs> Daddy Hurst even made an appearance. Daddy Hurst made an appearance of all people. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> so, Joe, do you got anything else before we go? No, I don't. All right, Joe, do you want to take us out? No. This has been Rate That Album with Paul Muadib and Joe Fremming. Thank you for listening. <laughs>